Hi, and welcome to the Engineered Mind podcast, a podcast about engineering, AI, neuroscience, and other interesting topics of life to educate and inspire people all around the world. I'm your host, Yusuf, and for the second podcast, I welcome Luis Serrano. Luis is a quantum AI research scientist at Zapata Computing. In the past, he worked in artificial intelligence at Apple as the lead AI educator in Google, as well as at Udacity as the head of AI and data science content. Before his life in technology, he was a research mathematician. He did a bachelor's and master's at the University of Waterloo, a PhD at the University of Michigan, and an ANSAC postdoctoral fellowship at the Université du Québec à Montréal. Back when he was a high school student, he participated in the International Mathematical Olympiads, short IMO, representing his native country of Colombia in the IMO in 98 and IMO in 99. And now, ladies and gentlemen, have fun and happy learning with Luis Serrano. Luis, okay. welcome to the podcast. I'm very happy and thrilled that you accepted my invite. Um, Thank you very much. So to get things started, how did you get into AI? Let's start it like that. Yeah, it, it was a windy road. I started with mathematics. So I did a PhD in math and I was uh, working in research as a postdoctoral fellow. I was doing research and, and teaching at the university. And then I started getting interested in programming and in technology. So I started taking some online courses and then got interested in machine learning. So I started, I started learning and it seemed like a buzzword, but um, then I realized it was common methods in mathematics that I already knew sort of, but applied in a very interesting way. So I got hooked and then I decided to switch careers. So I went to work at Google in the machine learning, uh, in one of the machine learning teams that did the recommendations at YouTube, the video recommendations. And that's how I started. And then I just got interested in more educational things. So I, I really wanted to teach it. I, I enjoyed it more. So I ended up teaching it. Okay, awesome. So yeah. a lot of people know that uh, AI is has a lot of stuff to do with mathematics, linear algebra and so on. Maybe you can, uh, I know from your podcast, this small anecdote that you told us about where you hated mathematics and then there was this competition. Maybe you can talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's a funny story. So I, I did hate mathematics and, and I didn't understand it at all in grades up to grade eight or something. I it was I dreaded it like every student or maybe even more than, than the average student uh, because it was formulas and they, they spoke nothing to me. So to me, it, it meant nothing, but I really like puzzles. I really enjoy uh, little little games and little riddles and and things like that. And I spent time on them on little magazines or, 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 or games. And, uh, yeah, this happened that one day they said, let's, um, if you want to skip two hours of class, you can take this national Olympiad mathematics Olympiad exam. And I decided to take it because it was a great idea to lose two hours of class. And, uh, I found out that it was all puzzles. It was not mathematics. It didn't look like math at all. So whatever was like formula, I skipped it. And then I, I did all the little, little games and I came out and it was nice. You know, I, I thought it was fun, but I didn't think much of it. And then two weeks later, the, the teacher comes and tells me, hey, uh, congratulations. And I'm like, well, what happened? He's like, well, you, you were first. And I thought I was first in the class. And I was like, wow, no, that's never happened before. Uh, but I was first in the country, turned out. And I was very surprised. And so was everybody else. And because I, I was a terrible student in, in, in most classes. But uh, the, the prize for doing that 
slash price slash punishment was that in the summer you get to go three weeks to a map camp. And uh, I went there and then I fell in love because it was all, they explained it all in a, in a nice way, in a, like in a puzzle, because math is really puzzles. I mean, if, in every, if, everybody, if anybody likes, likes to solve riddles and puzzles, that's, that's math. It's not the formulas. The formulas are just a language. And so I really, I really got into it and I started participating in the Olympiads. And then later in the years, if you continue participating and you make it to a team, you start traveling to, to international Olympiads. So I, I did some of that and, and it was so wonderful that uh, such a great experience that I said, I'm going to study math and then see where math takes me. That, that's awesome. I, I like the story. <laughs> um, but uh, on your road uh, to, to AI, on, on learning AI, what, what do you think, what was the biggest bottleneck for you in, uh, in terms of understanding? Because what I know from your Udacity classes, you like to explain also from your YouTube channel in a more practical way, in a more geometric way. Um, yeah. Is that what you found for yourself works the best for you? Yes, that is my biggest strength and also my biggest weakness. I found when I was working at Google, it, it was difficult. I took, I took my time like they produce fast and I try to understand things well. And, um, it's not like I choose to, and I say, I really want to understand as well is that I, I have a hard time working with something if I don't understand it in a very basic way. So I would spend hours and at, at night and just looking at things and looking at things. And I started noticing that my, my colleagues would be so much faster and they would just uh, apply things very quickly and launch things and, and write a lot of code. And, and I started like, wow, wow, how can they be so fast? And I started realizing, okay, they have a capacity to, to work on things without necessarily fully understand. They understand just enough to be super productive. And so I admire that capacity. I do not have that capacity. Mm. Uh, I need to, I need to understand it really well. So work normal things like programming takes me a lot longer than, than other people. But I started noticing that I was, that explaining came out much easier when somebody else explained it, they just did it at such high level, mm -hmm. uh, that it was not very understandable. Like, like, uh, but, but I, I kind of like, because I took so long understanding it in a basic way. When I explained it, it came out easy because that's how I have it in my brain. So it was a strength. It was a weakness for doing things that it takes me longer, but it was a strength for explaining. So when I kind of, when I started figuring that out, then it was a no brainer that I had, I have to go to explain machine learning for a living because that's, that's really what I love. And, and also my, yeah, like, like my, my way of thinking really suits to that. Mm, I get it. Yeah, so mm. that, was, that was my roadblock and my and my uh, and my uh, discovered what what I liked. Yeah. So yeah, I, I like the approach because I'm the same way. This is how I learn, like really delving deep into mm. stuff. How do you handle all this AI knowledge that comes out, quote unquote, because of all the with all the papers coming out? Some might might be useful, some might not be that yeah. useful. Uh, how do you keep yourself up to date with the latest AI technology updates? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's impossible to be fully up to date. And, uh, it's, I think it's too much to ask to say, okay, I'm going to be aware of everything. So I think it's nice to not be hard on yourself. Like I, I'm not hard on myself. If there's something big that I know or if it's a question that, that I say, well, I don't know. Um, but I like to constantly be looking at things. Like I, I look at certain blogs. I look at, Twitter is very important because mm -hmm. if you follow the big names on Twitter, 
they will tweet about whatever they care the most. And if you skim it, then you start to sort of pick your battles and go, okay, in this, in this field, I want to get a little, a little further. So if I see something in this particular field and I, I go and take a look, uh, but it's, it's important to be kind to yourself and, and, and make sure you're, you're constantly enjoying it and not sort of a competition of how much, uh, how where you are, but just, just if it's, if it's fun, Mm-hmm. then then you're doing well. <laughs> Would you say that uh, the book that you wrote, Grokking Machine Learning, that's, it's also built on fun, of course. And what was your approach there? Is it also the same approach that you use for yourself, like making it uh, more easy to grasp? Maybe you can go into detail. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I have to, as I said, understand things in a very basic way. Like if, if there's still a formula in my explanation, it's because I still haven't grasped it. Uh, there has to be an example. I have to find the simplest example that portrays everything. Mm-hmm. So for example, in linear regression, I just you know take a small set of points and a line that passes through them and I explain the process of, how do you explain to a five-year-old how to, how to fit a line through some points or how to separate them or things like that, or, or basic probability. Uh, it's, all, it's all based on, on really understanding it for a very simple example and then putting in the mind of the readers or the viewers of these, the, the idea of what is the computer doing in large scale? Like you can do it for five points. Imagine the computer doing that for a million points very fast. So the moment you can, you can put that idea uh, and, and it's in a way that, that everybody can understand because there's no, when you take away the formulas and really show what's happening, this is common sense. Mm-hmm. So that's how I explain it. Mm-hmm. Now, a, cr- a bit critical question. Uh, what sets your book apart from all the other machine learning books that are out there? What would you say? Yeah, the difference is that this is for everybody. Um, I I enjoy the books uh, that, that there are there. There's some, some great things. Uh, and unless there are things I haven't seen, all of them require a certain amount of math uh, that is sort of college level math. They all require linear algebra. Uh, they all require some calculus and, and some level of probability that you kind of have to be in college for that. So mine brings that before and says, you don't need to know all these things. If you know them, it's fantastic. And there's there's room for that in the book. Like if it, there, there is, the formulas come later. But if you don't know them and, and you only know very basic mathematics, you can still understand these concepts. So that's what sets it apart. Mm, that's great. That's great. And also when it comes to prerequisites, let's say you want to enter the industry, like uh, for mm-hmm. instance, you worked at Google, Apple, Udacity. Do you think um, a PhD is required? Because a lot of people have this impression, okay, if I don't have a PhD, I'm not qualified enough. How is your view on this uh, on this particular topic? Yeah, well, 100% not needed. If anybody wants to go for a PhD, that, that's an awesome experience I, I encourage them to, but uh, no, for, for data science, it's not needed at all. What you need is the wheel. And uh, there's a lot of online courses that help. Uh, if you do want to get serious in data science, then yeah, you will, you will have to learn uh, some, some programming and, and some math. But you can pick your battles, right? Like some people are very much into coding, so they go deep into that and they they learn the concepts uh, less deeply. Some people are very much into math or statistics, so they go there and then they they, they learn 
just enough code to get around. Mm -hmm. So you can you can pick your battles. You don't have to be an expert in everything. And uh, yeah, I mean a, P, a, a PhD is not required. And, and even though even more um, education in in particular in data science in, or, or 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 related STEM fields in college is also not required. I think anybody people with different disciplines, people from all the different di disciplines can come into data science and, uh, and enrich it because it gives them, it, it gives the field of data science a lot more perspective if people from all walks of life come in. Yeah, I think so that's, I recommend, you know, online ed is. Yeah, that's a good point that you mentioned it because if uh, peop more people come from different perspectives and maybe mathematician, engineer, mechanical engineer, uh, physicist, then when we go towards AGI, whenever that will happen, and uh, the singularity, which I will talk about in a few moments, um, the road to that, like really describing intelligence, I think you you would need every person or some bit of intelligence to bring everything together, right? Some so to have some kind of synergy effect on this intelligence yeah. that we are building. And now about singularity, do you think it will happen? And what do you on when do you think it will happen? If it happens? Oh, that's a that's a good question. Uh, yeah, I think I think we're getting there. But uh, I mean, there's a calculation on when, on around when it'll happen. But uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of variables to it. There's there's the hardware and there's the algorithm. So I'm not not sure when, but uh, yeah, I think it. I think it'll be reaching when, when when we reach it. Mm -hmm. And I think you're you're also uh, listening to your, going back to your podcast you had on your YouTube channel that you're more you have more the philanthropic approach that you love humans and AI should be used to help humans. How do you see Absolutely. AI being used for, let's say, the military? How do you see that? Do you think it's necessary? I, I hope it doesn't get used for the military at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think I hope for fighting is not not the right applications. It's, I find it very sad that it, that it gets used uh, for that. Uh, my two favorite fields uh, for AI are health, health and uh, and education. So health, we can see it right now. Uh, with uh, what's happening, how it's helping with, with the virus and everything, and to me, ed education is also very important. I think we can use it to to bring it to everybody and to and to really um, to, to personalize it and to make it uh, more more for everybody because it it uh, education kind of works for one one type of person, and so if we make it work for 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 everybody and make it more interactive, etc. And that's also something we've learned these days as well, right? Because everybody's learning online. So yeah, those those two are my favorite applications. Mm -hmm. Sounds sounds good. Uh, but also, that's the downside. Maybe you saw it because you mentioned Twitter that everybody everyone is like a self proclaimed expert in this field then and mm -hmm. releases statistics and models and some even claim yeah. uh, accuracy of 99% or 99.99%. Yeah. Then the question <laughs> is, how, how good is it? How yeah, you know. How do you see that? There's a lot out there. There's a lot out there, and you have to navigate through it. Uh, but I think if you're if you're sort of in the field, you you can't go wrong following the luminaries and and seeing what they think, and and also being critical of it, right? Like have your own perspective, and then you you find sort of who to sort of who to follow and 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 who to believe in, and quickly the that the talk talkers will will sort of weed out and you can sort of get a big picture but yeah there's there's a lot of twitter just has a lot so mm -hmm. you, you gotta 
Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So um, I think that most of the audience will know you from Udacity because you're like the one of the most well-known guys from Udacity. I would assume, <laughs> along with your colleague Miguel, for instance. Um, yeah, can you take us through the steps of your career, where you started, and uh, what you did, like in Apple and Google? Yeah. Yeah, so at Google, I was a software engineer, and I learned I learned a lot there. I was working on the recommendations of YouTube, uh, but quickly I I started realizing that that I was more of a teacher. I I would do you know webinars, I would do workshops in the weekends, things like that. And, and I was like, I think I uh, yeah, I think uh, that's definitely my thing. So I went, uh, so I looked for places, and I thought of, but where can I teach? Like, should I? Because to me, it was academia. Like I would go to teaching university or teaching high school. But then when I found out that that Udacity was across the street from Google and uh, that I could, uh, and that they were looking for a machine learning teacher, then I applied and uh, they called me for, for the interview was uh, give them a talk. So I said, okay, I'm going to give them a, a machine learning talk. But uh, the way I like to, to understand it, which is with little uh, you know, animals moving around and little things and little analogies. And in the talk, there was everything, everybody was there, the, the, the um, people who were technical and people who were not technical. So it, it fit very well because it's what they wanted. Like they wanted to bring it um, sort of to that, that level for everybody. And so, and so I started at, um, I started as a lead for the machine learning nanodegree team. And I, I, I loved it. It was a great time there. And I, it was a, a growth period for me because I was learning a lot. When you teach it, you have to learn a lot more of the details. So all the blind spots that I had in machine learning, I had, had to cover them because you, you just can't not understand everything fully when you're explaining it. So I started making uh, video courses in video for machine learning and then things grew very fast. It was a very fast growing period. So I got moved to sort of, it was, it was, a, it was a head of, of AI and data science. I had two teams in, in, I was in charge of, and I always wanted to teach. That's my main thing. I was, I was like, I, I cannot be a manager and not be doing the work too. So I always assigned myself some part of the course and I had a bunch of people that were also teaching it. And it was great because I learned a lot from them. And, uh, they would sort of, we, each one of us would teach a section. And so I would try to inject my style to everybody. It's like, okay, like my, my favorite thing was basically, I would just say, I don't understand. Like, so people come in with, with something and it was genuine. Like they would come in with, with an explanation of something that I actually maybe didn't know. And I'll be like, okay, we'll have to sit here until, until I get it because I'm very slow at understanding it. And when I get it, then it's then it then everybody gets it so we would sort of go back and forth until until the until the courses were down to a very digestible level and so we built a lot of interesting courses we built deep learning ai nlp uh there i was not uh, directly involved but there was part of self-driving car and and uh, flying car and and all these great nano degrees that that were built there i uh so it was a great learning period and then I went to, after some uh, long time there, I, I went to Apple to do the same thing. So I was, I was teaching courses at Apple. They were starting something called a, an Apple University. And there was, uh, I was in that, in that 
AI university and I was in that team. Uh, basically doing the same thing, teaching, teaching courses internally and video and, and in person. So yeah, I've been in that teaching space for a while. Awesome. Like, so to have some kind of a clickbait worthy title, you said you worked in the YouTube recommendation team. Do you yeah. somehow understand what parameters go into the YouTube recommendation and how the algorithm quote unquote works? Yeah. I mean, more than an algorithm, a patch of a million things. Uh, there's really, I mean, in the, in the basic sense, what goes in is your demographics a little bit and your, and your behavior a lot. So uh, uh, imagine a long vector where with all the videos on YouTube and a one in every place that you watch the video and a zero everywhere else. I'm, I'm oversimplifying it, but, yeah. but that's your vector. You're coming with like a humongous And then there's a parameter for each one of those, right? Like if you watch Despacito, then the, then the parameter for like watching, I don't know, the Kim Martin video is high or yeah. things like that, right? Like there are a lot of correlations and, and, uh, so that's, that's the idea. And the, well, there's, there's, uh, neural networks that they use for recommendations, but the, the, the bulk of the algorithms is very simple, right? The bulk of the algorithms is not different than, than one of the first algorithms you will Uh, you will learn, you know, perceptron, logistic regression, neural networks, etc. cetera. Uh, but the special thing of it is all the things around it. Like you have all this, uh, all these filters, you have all these heuristics, uh, this randomizers, this rankers, this, just all the, all the things, because you're handling so much data that the pipeline is very complicated. So the, the bulk of the algorithms, the first time I, I went there and I asked, what do you guys do for machine learning? And they're like, oh, we use linear regression and classification. I was like, really? But the complicated part of it is, is all the details. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I don't know, I, I don't fully understand all the whole picture and I don't, it, I don't think anybody knows the entire whole picture, like in detail, because mm -hmm. there's a lot of steps. But I, but I do have an idea. Have an idea of it. Oh, you have a rough idea. So, but, but you cannot say that it all comes down to watch time and click-through rate, because that's what the theory out there is, that these are the two main parameters would actually count. Yeah, I would say walk, uh, watch time is the most important. There's really click-through rate allows a lot of garbage, right? Because uh, an explicit thumbnail or something just gets yes. you high click your rate but then people watch one second and they feel bad about themselves and leave right mm -hmm. as opposed to watch time seems to be the most uh the the most true variable as for now i don't know if if it, since i'm gone they've they've discovered a new one but watch time seems to be the the big one but at the same time you know we're always looking for the true measurements right like watch time measures how how happy someone is with YouTube, but 10 minutes of, I don't know, garbage and 10 minutes of like something super amazing and insightful mm -hmm. are measured as 10 minutes. And so we always wonder, and I'm sure they're still wondering it. How do you measure real, uh, how do you measure when the user really got something out of it? And, and how do you measure real satisfaction? So once, you know, they figure something, out for that for that variable that that would be the one but mm. right now i think it's one thing maybe the we only see the tip of the iceberg maybe they use something like sentiment analysis and uh, watch uh, like through the comments maybe they see if someone says okay the video is complete garbage then they probably know okay maybe it's if it's like more comments like that 
then it might probably not a good video. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Uh, about comments were something that we were we did uh, when I was there at least. Uh, we were scared of and didn't touch with a ten foot pole because it it really YouTube comments are where human uh, where where the the worst of, yeah. <laughs> of humans can go. So all the trolls and there's just uh, a lot. I think if you harvest them well, there's there's a lot in the comment. But at just at first glance, there's uh, so much. Um, people write so much so much stuff that uh, uh that it's uh and, and and some trolling and things like that that i found it whenever we there is hard to hard to make any models that work properly on comments but i think yeah if you if you handle them well there there may be a lot of potential in in the comments also they they a lot of times it's hard to tell if people liked if it was a good quality or low quality video or if it's something people disagree Right, like many times, especially in a, when things get very polarized, mm -hmm. uh, a video may just have fifty percent comments of saying this is amazing and fifty percent saying this is the worst thing in the world, and it's more disagreement, right? Mm -hmm. And the same thing with likes and dislikes. Many videos could be good, but a lot of disagreement makes them look bad in likes and dislikes. So that's another signal that we also could really work with very well. Mm. Sounds very interesting. Um, echoing what you said, like that you like teaching and stuff, and you wrote your book, obviously, and I will put the link down in the description, of course. If you want Thank to you. get Louis' book, then check out the link in the description. Also, your YouTube channel is great. If you want, if you guys out there want to get started in machine learning, definitely check out Louis' channel. Like you like being a teacher. Who was your teacher or mentor? Who are you getting inspired Ooh, by? Yeah, uh, I've had a lot. I think I've been blessed. I've been blessed with uh, with great mentors. We all had that one particular teacher. I had I had one particular math teacher in in high school. Just around the time that I started I started liking his name was Reynaldo, and he re he really explained it well. So he he helped a lot in in me starting to like it. He had sort of that style of funny funny style, mm -hmm. you know, make a joke here and then a funny analogy there. So that that was the first. Uh, him and a couple of other teachers in high school. Uh, in the Olympiads, definitely. I, I uh, that's that's when I really, really started liking it because people there used to see it very in in the in the same fun way that I that I liked and in sort of like a problem solving way. So the leader of the of the Olymp of the math Olympiads in Colombia, her name is Mary Falk. She was she was very inspiring to me. She was pivotal in in my career. And then they had, I had many professors in university. Uh, particular, my my PhD advisor was he 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 taught very well. He was he put a lot of emphasis in in teaching, even though that's rare for a research uh, heavy research minded people to put a lot of emphasis in in explanations. Right? They just spend all their time researching and very little time. Okay, let me just explain this very quickly. So he was very much into into that and his way of thinking was i'm gonna digest this very very well this simple thing very very well until until i grasp it like if you just have respect for things right as opposed to like saying oh this is easy i'm just skim it mm -hmm. yeah. he would look at something easy and try to understand it better and that's the key to it right and so i learned that i learned that from him like i just take something easy that i already understand or that i think that i already understand mm -hmm and look at it for hours and make little, little examples and, and really, really digest it. And uh, until I 
until I just uh, grasp it so well that everything, all the explanations fall from there. Mm, okay. So, but yeah, in general, I've just, I've just been blessed with, with a lot of mentors. So. What would you say if someone gets started in the machine learning journey, so to speak, apart from your great book, of course, what resources would you recommend to, uh, for a beginner to get started in machine learning? Yeah. Uh, yeah, def definitely uh, the book. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, if, if you want to go a little deeper in the math, there are other books. Uh, one of my favorite is pattern learning, it's pattern recognition and machine learning by that's Bishop. From Bishop, yeah. But that was, yeah, by Bishop. That's, that's heavier in the math, mm. but if you enjoy my book, then, then the next, yeah, the, going to that would be like the same, similar, similar structure, but then with, with a lot more math. Um, I, I'm a big fan of just watching, watching videos and doing tutorials. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to mention something. So data, data quest, for example, is very useful. Mm -hmm. I, I learned a lot with them just doing little tutorials for all the technical stuff, like the packages and everything. Obviously the Udacity courses are, are, are very good. There's uh there's a lot of great material. There's a lot of free material if you look. So, uh, look into my, my page and I have some courses linked there. Uh, I'll give you my links to serrano.academy. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of great YouTube creators. There's, uh, I, I, I watch hours of them. Uh, there's some guy, Brandon Rohr. He has very good material. Josh Starner from StatQuest, mm -hmm. great material. Three blue, one brown. That's more, more math, but he has great material. Uh, course. Oh yeah. The courses in Coursera has, has some, some great courses. Also a lot of them free if you, if you audit them. Mm -hmm. Basically, yeah, look around in, look around on the internet and, and pick your way of learning. Some people learn by reading and working out the math in a board. Some people learn by watching videos and seeing things visually. I'm, I'm one of those. And some people learn by, by coding and these find mm. coding uh, uh, tutorials and, and coding labs. Uh, pick, pick the way you learn and, and, and go in that way. Mm -hmm. I think, I think also... Yeah, sure. Sounds very good. Thank you a lot for your input. And I think um, what should be also like kept in mind is that you should just be curious about stuff and never go arrogant, <laughs> because I think the yeah. field, especially AI, is like very humbling. And I think um, proclaiming yourself as like an AI expert um, is like very not very humbling and yeah. very true because it's so such a big field. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of a cause and a consequence, right? Like, let's say you go and people go into AI and they see all these people who sort of pretend to know everything. Mm. And then you say, oh, I have to learn everything. And then it's hard to learn everything. So people may sometimes as a reaction, get forced to like sort of pretending they, they know a lot more. And I think uh, we should be kind to ourselves, right? And say, okay, I'm, I'm not going to know anything. And neither does the, the person who sounds like an expert. They, they also don't know any, everything. Uh, and it's, it's fine to not know everything because AI is so big that we all know a piece of it and we all know it in a in a particular way so some people are strong in in a certain you know coding way some people in the stats way some people in the applications way some people in the business way and and we need that and we don't have it so we we, we should be humble you know, for ourselves to not be hard on ourselves And also for others to, to show them that, uh, that they're not behind, that they're just, you know, in their, in their own journey and contributing in a, in a certain way. And, uh, 
yeah, and just and just enjoying. I mean, I I believe a lot of you. If you're enjoying what you're doing, you're you're doing it well. So not not stressing of like, oh, I need to learn this one more thing. It's like more like, okay, am I enjoying today? Am I learning something cool? Mm-hmm. Perfect. And I'm doing well. That's amazing. I love it. Yeah. Perfect, Louis. So you're probably older than 18. So my question to know you is if you if you go on the phone now, so the phone rings, you pick it up, and then uh, 18 old Louis is on the phone. <laughs> and you have to give him some advice or three tips what he should do differently. Ooh. What would you say the 18-year-old Louis? Wow, yeah, I would say pretty much what I just said, that don't, don't be hard on yourself. Don't have to know everything. You don't have to have the answer for everything. Uh, just be curious and and enjoy. Look for the, you know, follow your your happiness, right? Don't don't think that there's a path that you're supposed to follow and and deadlines that you're supposed to have in life because you miss them all. Mm-hmm. There's um just focus on what what do you like? There are there are two things that I think when they align through like happiness comes out in, in your work. One is what do you like to do as a hobby? Like regardless of anything else, what is the one thing you really enjoy doing? Like solving Sudoku something or maybe a crossword puzzle or maybe building planting plants, you know, something like that. Like what is that thing that you enjoy? That's first question. And the second question is what is the thing you want to do for the world? Right? Like what, what is the, the cost that you care the most or some causes and, and what is it that you can do to, to improve the world? Okay. So there's thing one and there's thing two. If you can align them, that's it. You, you, you career, you have your path, right? So try to find those two things and try to align them and then and then, and then that's it. So I, I found it in education, right? Like I thought I really enjoy teaching. That's my thing. Like if, if you're with me in a bar, like I, at some point I'll bring a napkin and start to, Oh, look at the, you know, this is a little thing. And then I also believe that the world gets uh, improved with, with education. I feel like if we're all more educated, we'll make better decisions as, as a group and uh, everybody, you know, can have their, their potential to, to, to give be all give all they can give to the world so so those two are my my two aligned things I like teaching and I believe that education is is the way to to a better society so boom that's my my direction and that's what's make, what that, makes you happy uh, yeah perfect perfect so um, that's what I would tell 18 year old me <laughs> yeah that, that's perfect I love it um echoing what you said as point number two where you said um, also do what you love sometimes like a uh, society like gives a bit pressure on you and uh, says, yeah. Hey, why are you doing this? This is not like the normal way, how we do it yeah. as society. And a lot of people, especially in the field of AI or engineering, mechanical engineering, they look for where can I earn the most money? Do you think that's the right approach yeah. or would you really go with what makes you happy? Because I agree with you on that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I speak for myself, but I, but I definitely following the money has never worked for me i think it's mm. I think is the wrong metric uh maybe works for some people but uh the, the the society is built in such a way that you know what gives money is not necessarily the best cause or the most fun for people so i i would advise not to and uh that's you know a a lot 
growing up, I'm sure you heard the same thing. And I heard the same thing. Like you have to follow the money. You have to get what gives you. And, and when I thought of that life, I, I found it miserable. I, I couldn't imagine that I, I would have to do jobs that were not what I liked. Right. Mm. And so, so I do think you, you have to follow your, your passions and, and what you believe in. Um, of course, it's a hard society for that. So there are times when your passions are something that gives no money. So you may have to figure out a way to, to follow them while, mm -hmm. while putting bread on the table. But I think it, I mean, I think if you're smart, even, even if what you wanted at the very end was the money, following the money is like the greedy algorithm, right? Mm -hmm. Like many times you, if you just followed what gives you more salary at that time, you may reach like a local maximum. Mm -hmm. And, and there are many times that you, you know, the path to, to a lot more money, it's, it's actually going down, down the hill a little bit and then, and then back up. So even if your main metric is money, following the money doesn't work. Like, and I, and I think the only way is follow, follow what you like, because that's, that's the way you'll, you'll be happy. And, and at the end, make more money. That's what you want it. Yeah. Mm. That, that was a good uh, geometric yeah. explanation for a very good teacher. I like it, Luis. Luis, what, what, <laughs> is, the, what is the meaning of life for you? What does life mean to you? Ooh, that's a deep question. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think we're all in this together. I don't, I don't think of me as an individual. Uh, I think in this sort of reality, we, we look like we're all different. We look mm -hmm. like we're individuals, but I think we're sort of droplets of the same wave. And, um, I think we should, we should think as a group, mm. you know, and I think, uh, I think life is, is meant to find that, that unity, you know, and we're, the, we're seeing it a lot, a lot these days with, with the things that are happening that, that we have to tackle things as the whole human race or the, all the living beings. So I think, uh, I think, I think the meaning is going from the, the individualism that we're born with in this individualistic society into, into a group thinking. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the next thing that I would have asked you is, uh, what, what's your spirit animal? Now that you said that you like, that you're not like an individual, I would assume that maybe you would like to be a wolf or what would your answer be? Oh, wolf. Uh, huh, that's an interesting part of what's my spirit animal. Uh, You know, I think, uh, I think ducks are awesome because have you noticed that they do everything? They swim, they, uh, walk and they fly. <laughs> and they're emotionally so that, intelligent. That, and they're, and they're intelligent. So, uh, I, I always think of them, not the obvious, it's not the obvious one, but they, uh, they're, they're pretty cool. So maybe a duck. <laughs> yeah. That is actually, now that you say a dog, there is a book from, a, um, I forgot the author. It's like more of a political book. And I, and I watch it online where um, at the end of the of the world, there's a scenario like a story where there is one man and one dog and a machine. And uh, the dog is there to let the human not touch the machine in order to destroy everything. Something like that. It's wow. Like, it's like maybe some kind yeah, of end scenario. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, totally. I find that in animals, I, I have, I mean, we see, we see animals as inferior and I think we can be more wrong. You know, I think, uh, especially I look, for example, I look at ants, right. And I'm like, are ants, are ants individual or are they thinking as a group? Like when you look at all of them working together at unison, 
is there a soul for each one of them or is there a soul for all of them at the same time? Because that much coordination, humans don't get to that level, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, so I, I, I do wonder, and I think I, I think some of them may, may be more advanced than us, I don't know. Mm. That's beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Um, so what I would do now is um, we cover some questions from users that have posted some questions sure. on social media. Yeah, we'd love it. So question number one would be from LinkedIn, from Sanchi Mittal, who also took, by the way, the Udacity course. Um, I have a question for Louis. What are the most sought for and distinguishing skills in the industry for a machine learning engineer? Yeah, ooh, well, definitely some some technical skills, coding. You know, Python is, is great, but uh, something like... Uh, you know, you, you can learn some some packages like uh, Tableau or things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so definitely te technical, uh, some some coding slash technical skills are needed. And uh, definitely some statistics and probability and just knowing it in a, I, I like to understand it in a conceptual way, but yeah, there's, there's definitely, definitely uh, probability and statistics, knowing something's deeper. In a deeper level, uh, and uh, I think that's that's about it for the basic requirements. Linear algebra and calculus also help, um, but mostly knowing your problem. I think uh, I think uh, what 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 really enhances what the computer does is when the human, you know, really knows their data and really can can do the input that they mm -hmm. that 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 is their job, right? The human does the part of the human, which is knowing the data and making those decisions. The computer doesn't. Matter. Yeah. And unfortunately, the, the most most of the work is like pre-processing data, right? Which I also realized when doing some courses, it's like, okay, as a machine learning engineer, or you have to really do the dirty work. It's not just only like fancy programming and... Yeah, a lot of it is data cleaning, so just <laughs> getting used to it. Yeah. A, a lot of times, yeah, you, you end up doing things that are, that are very mundane. And you're like, oh, cool, I do study all this math and all this programming for, but it's like, I mean, the computer can do the the, the, the beautiful models, and we just, we get we sometimes have to do some of the of the mundane things that the computer can't do. But mm -hmm. you know, that's fine. Okay, perfect. So, second question is from YouTube from Ajinkya Yaktap. First one is how AI will be helpful in taking measures against outbreaks like the coronavirus. Absolutely, AI is helpful in every way. I think right now they're using it to model proteins, to model the the spread of the virus among society uh, to model things like uh, to, to make tests, right? Like you can use uh, scans. They're working on on uh, X-ray scans mm -hmm. and trying to detect the virus from there. So definitely to speed up. I think we're in a scenario that we need to speed things up a lot because the problem with the biggest problem with this virus is, is that it spreads fast and that it just depletes the resources, the medical resources. So machines can be very useful. Uh, for for de detecting and, and and just making things easier for doctors. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Second yeah. question is: Is it necessary now to start involving AI courses in school level as a head start? What would you say? Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's a skill that if we like, I think we can. We are able to to teach AI even earlier i don't know if you've seen those those games for programming that kids learn programming with those games uh i don't remember the names but there's some some really good games that you can just put blocks in and program mm -hmm. 
I think we can do that with AI. So I think we can even start with, with little games that teach kids the concepts of AI at a very young age. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Mm -hmm. Then we have also one which was sent right before the podcast from Mohammed Saud Khan. Um, how, do, how do you see the AI future? And is it like an area of automation or and done automatically? Or is support of humans still needed to increase safety and health and quality? Absolutely. I think uh, the main, I think you nailed it, that she, she uh, nailed that question because the humans need to, we need to make sure there's ethics. If we let the computer run and put it one thing to, uh, to optimize for, there's the computer will optimize it without caring about every, anything else. And many times this could just spell disaster. So humans have to be present. Uh, and, and it's a responsibility for us to, to make sure things are ethical and that we're not replicating some bad behavior, uh, that, that things are, that there's diversity, there is, um, that we're not creating some, some evil machines. So yeah, definitely, definitely there are humans, humans are needed. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Okay. What we do next and what we, the last part is I have sent Luis a folder of pictures, which are eight, okay. eight as a, as a number. And for those who are just listening, because my, I might convert this into just, into just audio. So what do you think about the first picture about your colleague, Miguel Morales, in one sentence Miguel or one Morales. word? Uh, I think he's a great teacher. Perfect. Very good expositor. Yeah. yeah. I think so the same way. Picture number two, Jeffrey Hinton. Um, definitely a visionary. I think he sees the, the path of AI and, and the brain more than anyone. Picture number three, Andrew. Andrew is a complete picture. He just uh, he just uh, manages to attack AI in every way, from the, from the business, from the research, from the teaching side. He's he's just complete. Perfect. Picture number four, Ian Goodfellow. Ian Goodfellow this is just brilliant. I think he has ideas that no one else can have. Yeah, perfect. Very smart guy. Picture number five, Alan Turing. Turing, oof, uh, revolutionary. He he had a he had a vision for computers that that was unique. So yeah, revolutionary. Awesome. Picture number six: the company OpenAI. Uh, I think reinforcement learning. When I think of it, useful, very useful reinforcement learning tools and demos for mm -hmm. and more. But for me, that yeah. Then we come to picture number seven: DeepMind. DeepMind is, is definitely the, they're pushing boundaries. Next, next frontier in AI. I, I always remember them from Go for Go. That mm -hmm. was a huge thing, but definitely for, uh, next, next frontier in AI. Mm -hmm. Perfect. And the last picture, picture number eight, Elon Musk. Oh, Elon Musk. Yeah. It's, uh, he's the, he's a futurist. I think he's the people who see the people who see the future. That's him. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So thanks a lot, Luis. Do you want to say anything else to the audience at the end? Like where I put every link down in the description where they can find you, like serana.academy, your book, follow you on Twitter, YouTube, of course, to get you soon to the 100K mark. Oh, thank you. That'd be awesome to get the 100K yeah. mark. Yeah. Maybe one day I'll do it only the YouTube. And <laughs> I'm but, sure you're, uh, you're a great teacher. Like, if I, like I get to a certain level. Thank you. Thank you. I, um, I think all my information I've put it together in, in serrano.cat. So that's mm -hmm. the best way to take the videos and just kind of anything. 
but yeah, I mean, fo follow the channel and uh, and keep keep finding what you what you love. Yeah, I will. I will also give you a discount code for the book, so you can put it in the yeah. yeah I'll put everything for anybody who, who wants to buy the book. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Liz, thanks a lot for being on my Thank podcast. Thank you so much. And thanks Thank for your so time. I appreciate it. Me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor.